Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Morning. Talk to me. What's that? Oh, I found a new podcast. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I just found it, and I'm about halfway through the first one, but I still want to. I want you to check it out and let me know what you think. It is Sharpening the Mind podcast. Uh-huh. I found him. Sounds painful. Oh, it is. <laughs> well, actually, he does a little meditation, then talks about a uh, a study. And he, let's see, his name is Daniel Sharpenberg. He's the co-owner of the website, The Tattooed Buddha. Okay. I don't know any of those uh, things. but I don't know anything about him other than I, I, I read some of his stuff when I was uh, doing a little research for our Thursday Dow meeting on the, uh, what is it, the useless tree? Yeah. I stumbled on him from that. Uh, he was empowered to teach meditation by the Dharma Winds Zen Sangha. Uh, but I like what I've heard so far. He actually does a guided meditation in his, for like 10 or 15 minutes as part of his podcast. And so far, mm-hmm. I like what I've heard. I've heard nothing political so far, which is good. What What is it? Sharpening I mean, like, the Mind is the name of the podcast. But I mean, does he have like a like? Does he like go? I mean, does he sharpen it in any particular way? Like, is well, he, he starts like, with a little sharpening meditation, then he goes into a little discussion of uh, some text. Okay, so it's just any text. He's not just like reading through the Tao or no, no, no. Just what, he's, whatever. He's like he comes. talking about different. Seems like he he likes obscure texts. And discuss them, discuss them, and apply them to the modern era, maybe. And what he was talking about in this one, I got interrupted and did not get quite finished, but almost finished. He was talking about how the the enlightenment that we're looking for, we already have. So, mm. yeah, yeah, it was good. I it really resonated with me. I liked what I heard. See, that's the. That's the stuff that like gets me, it gets me like, like I've heard, I've heard that idea, that notion. We talked about it last week. It was, you know, that, that whole thing of like, you know, what if we already are the way we're supposed to be, you know, that kind of thing. The enlight, you know, like enlightenment is not a, an acquired thing. You just realize you have it and you're like, well, then what, you know, like how does, I don't know. It's one of those things where I like, I hear it, it makes sense. And then I'm like, I don't know if it makes sense anymore. (laughs) You know what I mean? I think that maybe we're just blind to what we already have, you know? Yeah. Well, certainly then I don't know, but it's, uh, I'm going to check out some more of his recording. Hey, what do you think, uh, I'm going to start calling Lao Tzu Lao Tzu because I think it does better with my accent. Okay. Uh, I don't draw it out as much. Uh, what do you think Lao Tzu 
meant uh, or wait, hold on. That's not my question. Where do you think he would fall on the political spectrum? Oh God. <laughs> See, here you go with the, like this podcast doesn't have politics. I know. And then I want to talk about politics. <laughs> I just want to see. Uh, I'm just curious to what you would think. I don't know. I think he was probably an anarchist. Yeah, <laughs> that's my best guess. Don't you think libertarian? I'm well. I mean, that's just a form of anarchy. Yes, it is. Hmm. Kind of uh, so. It's kind of. Uh, kind of I, I'm thinking from everything I've read, libertarian with a with an with a deep concern for the economy i mean for the uh environment uh with an environmental emphasis yeah it's i mean it's hard to say that's it that's so i don't you think you'd be republican nor do i think you'd be democrat i don't yeah. think you'd be either either of those i mean that's fair yeah um i don't know it, it is an interesting question because i you know it, it's wild. It, it, it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit like Christianity, you know, like the, the ideal would be for everybody to deal with their own stuff. You know what I mean? Like deal with yourself. And what was it you were telling me the other, you know, deal, deal with your own ego. And then once, you know, once enough of your ego gets out of the way, then you have, all you have left is compassion. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I, I, I mean, you know, either of these guys, you know, Lao Tzu, Jesus, all, all of it, you know, if you were, I, th- I think if you're doing it right, you're, you know, at least making some attempt to get the ego out of the way and uh, make more room for compassion. Yeah, that's what, I really like from the Jekyll Beck book that I'm reading with my man. I'm really enjoying my Monday night Zen study. I, I want to talk to the, uh, our Dow group being that that's uh, going to continue about getting sensei in to talk sometime. Yeah. Either about, about something about meditation or about emptiness or, um, anything you know his perception of a higher power what that looks like you know or lack <laughs> of you know i'm really he he's really a he's very open to discussion which is great he'll talk about anything seems to be so it's really interesting but he'll start talking about obscure texts that i've never heard of before he's a like a mid-70s hippie from you know from out in california hippie guy you know, so he's really, but he's really, he's really great about conversation, very inquisitive, you know, and very, very open-minded, which is really interesting. (laughs) So, uh, wonder how long that took. Oh man. (laughs) But he starts talking all these Japanese texts that I've never heard. Oh, well, I remembered reading blah, 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 you know, then, uh, but, uh, maybe we can get him in to talk about something. We'll talk about that tomorrow and see what those guys think. But uh, yeah, sure, I'm down. But I, I was getting what I, the, the Monday night group, Joko Beck, Everyday Zen is what we're reading, and she's uh, had an interesting line in the from our 
meeting Monday talking about uh, being the observer, which, you know, we were talking about that when you remove the ego, the only things left is to be compassionate, which I thought was was really good and, and fits just with what we'd been discussing. But that's a really good book. Have you read that? No. Did I give you the PDF? I will. Well, probably. Uh, I think I, um, I've got it on a list. Okay. Um, I'll see if I can bump it up the list. Well, it's a, it's really a good, uh, it's really a good one. If you need it again, let me know and I'll send it to you. If I have it, I think I I emailed it to you. What do yeah, you yeah, I'm sure. Anything particular? Well, oh, I have a new Audible. Yeah. I'm really enjoying it. It's the three pillars of Zen. I think I mentioned it last week. Okay. Uh, man, it is really good. I'm almost halfway through it. And uh, this guy actually uh, went back and after sessions that people would have in uh, in their, uh, uh, what are the Japanese word? The Japanese for the, uh, for their long, uh, week-long sittings that they would be going before their sensei talking about um, enlightenment and, and what they were seeing in their sittings and and all of that and the koans that they were working on and what the response of their uh, teacher was about the koans and all of that. This guy yeah. recorded them and then that's part of the book. So part of the audible. So not recorded them physically, I mean, recorded them digitally, but he, he would listen and go and write out what he, what he heard, you know, which was pretty interesting. So uh, lots of stuff to think about in that three pillars of Zen, going through the Cohen's and giving a little more understanding of, uh, of how they're approaching those, which was interesting. But, Check it out. Where are we? We're on 52? 52. All right. Loving by returning to the mother. Hey man, we're watching the 100. Okay. Have you ever watched that series on, uh, oh. it's a, it's on one of the cable channels, but we're getting it on our online stuff. Like I think it's in Netflix and, then we watch it on Cody, um, too. Um, I'm sorry, that just reminded me. They have this saying, they don't say fuck you, they say float you, right? <laughs> because they're in space and they've not lived on Earth. So if you don't, if, when they kill people, they float them into space. Oh, yeah. So when they came down to the, whatever planet they're on, when they get mad, they'll say float you. <laughs> when the, the people don't know what even that means, they've never been in space, but it makes them mad. For, you know, I mean, it's like their F you is float you, right? So they'll say float you if they get really mad, right? You know, and then oh, we, we evolved that into float you, mother floater, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of funny. It's kind of an ongoing cultural thing on the show when now they're out to other planets where they've been in hypersleep, you know, for all this time. Right. 
And so they show up and they start using this float you stuff and nobody knows what, but they are, but they know it for some, and all these people speak perfect English. I, I don't understand that either. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of funny. Well, shows get really complicated once you have to start translating alien languages. Yeah. So these people have this alien languages wrote on their face, but yet they speak uh, California English. I, I don't know, you know, but uh Living by returning to the mother. So that whatever I've been forced to watch some more of that by my wife. <laughs> she likes it. So all the good looking people, I think it's what she enjoys. <laughs> all beautiful people, no ugly people on this planet. I haven't figured that out. Even, even the, uh, even the criminals are beautiful. Everyone's beautiful. You know? So makes for a good TV show. <laughs> yeah, do. Okay, you want to read? You want me to read? What do you want to do? Either one. You want? Uh, I I can start if you want. Sure, man. The beginning of the universe is the mother of all things. Knowing the mother, one also knows the sons. Knowing the sons, yet remaining in touch with the mother, brings freedom from the fear of death. Keep your mouth shut. Guard the senses, and life is ever full. Open your mouth, always be busy, and life is beyond hope. Seeing the small seeing the small is insight. Yielding to force is strength. Using the outer light, return to insight, and in this way be saved from harm. This is learning constancy. Huh. Yielding to force is strength. That jumped out to me. <laughs> The one that jumped out to me is open your mouth and always be busy. Yeah, I heard you chuckle. Yeah. Uh, In the beginning was the Tao. All things issue from it. All things return to it. To find the origin, trace back the manifestations. Huh. When we recognize the children and find the mother, you will be free of sorrow. If you close your mind in judgments and traffic with desires, your heart will be troubled. If you keep your mind from judging and aren't led by the senses, your mind will find peace. Seeing in the darkness is clarity. Knowing how to yield is strength. Use your own light and return to the source of light. This is called Practicing Eternity. That was Mitchell's translation. Mm. Huh. I want to come back to that judgment thing. I want to look up something else I have from yeah. our other talks on judgment. Go ahead. You want to read the next one? Sure. The, the world had a beginning, which we call the Great Mother. Once we have found the mother, we begin to know what her children should be. When we know we are the mother's child, we begin to guard the qualities of the mother in us. She will protect us from all danger, even if we lose our life. Keep your mouth closed and embrace a simple life, and you will live carefree until the end of your days. If you try to talk your way into a better life, there will be no end to your trouble. To understand the small is called clarity. Knowing how to yield is called strength. To use your inner light for understanding, regardless of the danger, is called 
depending on the constant. Everything starts with Tao, the mother of all things. If you know the mother, you know the children. If you know the children and remember the mother, you have nothing to fear in your life. Shut your mouth and keep still and your life will be full of happiness. If you talk about, if you talk all the time, always doing something, your life will be hopeless. It takes insight to see subtly. It takes strength to yield gently to force. That's a real problem for me, yielding gently to force. Mm. Remind me, I got I have an example of that. Use that strength to hang on to your insight, huh? And you will always be at peace. That's how to get right with the Tao. Use what strength to hang on to insight? The strength of yielding gently? Is that what he's saying? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I had the guys knock on my door. I didn't prepare to think about talking about this, but it fits, I think, about yielding gently. I do not like being pushed about anything. If I get pushed by a salesperson, I do the absolute opposite. I say, float you and (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So I am trying to learn not to do that. So when when I get pushed, I push back with double the intensity and I'm trying to learn not to do that. And I got a, I got to have a roof guy that came that wanted to inspect the roof for Dan. We, after a storm and I do need a roof on my house. Uh So I said, okay. So we set it up and sure enough, we, we ended up with about half the cost more than half, about two thirds, the cost of a roof. And they're pushing me, pushing, pushing, pushing. And I told them, I said, hey, I said, quit pushing. I'll be in touch. And it caused this angst. And my wife is said, well, they're just trying to get the job. You know, that, that's not a negative to her. Her, uh, for, you know, most women are intimidated by that, but she's not. I mean, that's how she was raised was, I mean, she's from Armenia. And, man, they push on everything. Everything's a push. I mean, she goes to, I remember I've been over there several times and some sales guy with fruit even. And she says, no, I don't want that fruit. I want the fruit you keep behind. I don't want any of this out here. Give me the good <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no. And she's just like, you know, rah, 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 you know, and uh, I'm just not that way, even though, I mean, I sold stuff for years. I do not like sales. I don't like sales people. I don't like the push at all. And uh, I want to do the opposite. So they, they told me that, you know, they tried to push and I just, and it caused this angst. So this uh, learning to yield gently to force is, is really difficult for me because I don't want to be taken advantage of, but yet I, uh, you know, I don't know. There's, there, there's, there's a lot of elements there. I don't understand within me, you know? Yeah. Well, Yeah. It's, I don't know, man, there's something, there is something there for sure, because like there's this, you know, I mean, there's cultural elements and stuff like this and, you know, like how you were raised and I was raised and all all of that. 
But, you know, when you talk about bringing, bringing sales into it, you know, and stuff like that, it's, it's kind of crazy because a lot of this stuff is very counter to, uh, well, it's, you know, though you've got the, whoever, you know, the, the guy in the movie that gave you the ABCs of sales, you know, always be closing. Yes. That, that kind of stuff. And it, you, it's like, you, you have to, you have to push. That's the, that's the whole thing is like, you, you know, they, they always tell you, you got to ask for the sale, you know? And, uh, that's never really been my strong suit, but, uh, you mentioned not wanting to be taken advantage of, you know, that, that's and uh, a place of fear. Yeah. There's a fear in me of not wanting to get screwed. I'm going to get yeah. language down too, because when I start getting afraid, I want to start cussing too. It's crazy. <laughs> my fear brings all those things out, you know, like that's the appropriate thing to do when it's never the appropriate thing to do. It's never appropriate for me to use the F word. Never. Hmm. That's never, there's never a time when that's really an appropriate thing, you know, but I want to do that when I start getting scared. It's crazy. Yeah. I, you know, it makes me like, you know, like in church, they used to talk about, you know, Jesus says to turn the other cheek. Right. But then like, if you're from around here, almost inevitably, the next sentence was, but he doesn't want you to be a doormat. <laughs> Yes, that's the other, you know, and uh, I I don't so far. You only turn it once, you know. Yeah. (laughs) When that's really not what the teaching was. Yeah. I don't know how Jesus feels about doormats, but. (laughs) I don't think he'd want his face on a doormat. Yeah, I guess not. But. It, it It is, it's an interesting way of thinking because I mean, really what you're saying, you know, when you say something like that is like, you know, like Jesus can be in charge unless I'm going to be taken advantage of, in which case I'm going to be in charge again. Yeah. And the reality is I don't want to we- look weak in front of my wife, you know, <laughs> that's the reality <laughs> Is it's it goes back to this uh, um, this vision of me that I want to look look good, be good, be the man, and something that uh, ever challenges that is not you know yielding gently to force is not strength for me. <laughs> I have to work at that. What what is yielding gently to what what does that look like? I don't I still don't even know what that looks like, much less how to do that. It doesn't say yielding to force is strength. It says yielding gently to force. I mean, my kids, I've got a cousin that teaches uh, special needs children. Mm -hmm. And I said, How do you get them to do what you want them to do? She says, what I would have to do sometimes is stand behind them and take their hands and make them do what I wanted them to do. <laughs> See, and these, these are kids that have challenges, you know? Sure, yeah. And uh, 
But I fit that a lot of times. I feel myself, my hands taken and being made to do what I don't want to do. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm like, and she said, once you did that a time or two, they would start doing what they needed to do. You know, you've got to pick this up. You've got to clean up. You've got to do this and that. I don't know if that's the right approach or not, but I could feel that in me as sometimes I felt like, that is not yielding gently to force, <laughs> you know, uh, but it really does take strength to learn to yield gently. Yeah, it makes, I don't know. I am, uh, I'm not any kind of a martial artist nor athletic in, in any way, but it makes me think about like, you know, some of the, like the premise of judo or something, you know what I mean? Or like the whole point, like in judo, they, it's all about like getting the perfect throw. You know what I mean? Like somebody comes at you and you throw them. And um, like, that's a scenario where you're like, like you as like somebody, somebody's coming at you and then you are essentially redirecting their energy. You know what I mean? You're not like smashing head on your, you take their energy, their momentum and direct it in a different way. And to to do that, you're supposed to be like, you know, like, like you have to be like loose and accommodating. You know what I mean? You have to, uh, you have to adjust what you're doing to what they're doing instead of like, I'm going to, you know, like be bigger and stronger and overpower you. You know what I mean? It's about adjusting to the situation. I don't know. Mitchell talked about if you close your mind in judgments and traffic with desires, your heart will be troubled. And I was thinking about a line from, I think it was from Love is Letting Go of Fear. And I've got it in my daily, I've got a daily, I don't look at it daily, but I have a daily list of things that in my meditations that I look at about every three days, but it's in my daily list. Mm -hmm. One of the, one of the phrases I took from that was today, Today, I choose not to distort certain aspects from the past to form a judgment about which I measure other people. Mm -hmm. And that reminded me of this idea of closing my mind in judgment, that I don't choose to distort aspects of the past to form judgment. So, So I form a judgment based on distorted things from the past like i judge all particular kind of people a certain way because of past uh Mm -hmm. i distort past judgments to make a current judgment to put them in their box oh here comes this type of person or this whatever you know pick your pick your poison you know and you know you put these whatever the particular thing is in a box and you do it that way so that you can go ahead and prejudge them or prejudge what, how my wife is going to react. A lot of it's my wife because I'm, if she's at work today, thank God. 
that I don't have, you know, I mean, but I mean, we've got along really well, but for months now, she has been my world. I've been stuck in this house, getting out maybe once a week to ride my motorcycle for a few hours, finishing up some things that she doesn't understand that, that how important they are to me. And uh, she thinks I need to be making money all the time. And so I'm, uh, I'm having to learn how to process that and not feel she's judging a particular way based on prior, you know, stuff. So I'm starting to get stir crazy, I think, is actually a big part of it. I need to get out. I need to, I need to see a beach. I need to, my meditations help. Man, if it was not for my meditation, I think, I, I could see how people could go back to drink. Anyone who's not familiar with this podcast, this, we're all in recovery. And, and it's on certain levels. And so, you know, for me, it's alcohol. And I've been in recovery for a number of years, but I could see how someone could want to escape in this closed world. It's almost like a, a prison of some type, you know? I mean, you're stuck. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting you bring up meditation because I think that, like, I think that. I think this little segment right here, uh, if you, if you, if you close your mind in judgments and traffic with desires, your heart will be troubled. If you keep your mind from judging and aren't led by the senses, your heart will find peace. I mean, this is a, this is a really good description of meditation. You know what I mean? Uh, th- that's the, that's the whole exercise is like, you know, uh, like not like, not judging, you know what I mean? Like having a thought and then not judging it, you know? And, uh, because if you can do, if you can do that with, you know, you're talking about, you know, like being, uh, you know, judgmental towards other people. If you can do that for yourself, you can, you can certainly do it for other people, at least for me. I mean, I'm there, there's, I mean, there's, nobody that I'm more judgmental of than myself. Um, I had a, Oh, I had an interesting thing from this pillars of Zen. I've started going to the park and running again, trying to lose my Corona 10 that I've gained. And if I kept it to 10, I would be doing good. I'm, I'm back to eight, I think seven or eight. Anyway, I'm back running again. Love to run. And so I'm back running my two miles or walking and running. Yeah. I'm riding to the park to run. They opened the park back up last week. So I'm out riding and uh, someone comes up behind me. I'm in my Jeep. So I'm, I'm not really speeding. I'm not in a hurry to get anywhere. So someone is, and they're riding my ass, you know, along. And I'm like, Hmm. And I, and I realized something. I looked at it a, a different way. I looked at it like, huh, I am riding close to me. <laughs> like, they are me. Yeah. You know, and I got that from listening to this Cohen stuff. And it's all, we're all one, you know, and it reminded me of that, which I occasionally get a glimpse of. I'm like, wow, I am riding really close to me, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had a moment of Zen, you know? Yeah. And I was like, huh. And as I sat there and thought about it, they backed off, you know, which it would have may have happened anyway, who knows, but it happened. It was at the right yeah. moment for me to see that, you know, 
Because sure. I do that too. I'll ride up close to somebody and say, oh, I'm riding too close and I'll back off. Is that a moment too of Zen of like, you know, I don't know, but I realized it was me. So any anger that I would, because before I have slammed on my brakes and gotten pissy, you know, all that stuff, you know, where I can go if I'm not careful. Because I've noticed this heightened level of anger under the surface, which I used to have all the time. I've noticed that coming back and I don't like it, you know, and I thought, hmm, alcohol really is a symptom. This anger really is a symptom of a lack of surrender, you know, a lack of acceptance. I don't think I'm the only one that is having to deal with some of these recurring things from me thinking I am more surrendered than I really am, you know? Well, the, you know, so then if you realize that it's, you know, there's a lack of acceptance, that's the, <laughs> then then the tricky part is figuring out, you know, what is it that you're not accepting, you know? Oh, that's not accepting everything as being the way it should be. You know, I'm wanting to fight. Right. Um, sure. Yeah. I, feel the, I feel the sides closing in and I want to push, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and I guess, it, well, like for me, sometimes I don't have a, I don't have a good example off the top of my head, but like, if you can, like you, you have that feeling of like, okay, there's I, like, you feel yourself starting to push back, fight, like, okay, there's something, there's something here, you know? And you, so like, you know that it's okay. There's something that I'm not accepting. There's some, there's something I have a lack of acceptance about. And you can tell yourself, okay, well, I just need to accept everything and, you know, everything is as it should be. And, and that's good. And and if that's, if that's all you have, there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But sometimes if you can name specifically the thing that is, that that it is, you're not, uh, you know, that you're pushing back against it, it'll dissipate quicker. I, I think. It reminds it's, it's, me of, I, I remember when I had pancreatitis, almost died when I was fighting alcohol before I learned to let go and I was fighting. Oh, I just had major surgery and the nurse told me to, that I needed to calm down and I didn't realize I needed to calm down until she told me that I needed to calm down. Then I was angrier. Yeah. <laughs> I was in such pain and she said, just calm down. And I'm like, wait a minute. I didn't realize I was angry. Now I really am angry. You know, I can feel the walls closing in even more. You know, it's that kind of a feeling sometimes of just, Oh yeah, I I need to call. I really need to calm down, you know? And so, uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, I tell you what I did. I uh, called a friend in recovery because I didn't feel comfortable calling my sponsor because we're on kind of different sides on this COVID thing. And so I, I, I don't know. I, I just didn't feel comfortable calling him in that moment for whatever reason. So I, but I did reach out to someone in recovery that I could discuss this with. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's good to have multiple people that we can talk to multiple friends, multiple, we can't keep our, our, our secrets uh, will kill us, you know? So I had to, I had to reach out to someone that I felt comfortable reaching out to and say, Hey, there's something going on here. 
um, because uh, I just, you know, I got to I gotta get this out. So I'm going through like a mini force step with someone in recovery on this. So, yeah, you're right, Zach. You've got to you've got to work through it. And mine comes back to this uh, fear of the same fears. They're the same ones every time. Fear of failure, fear mm-hmm. of financial insecurity, you know, fear of uh, not being, you know, fear of being a failure in the eyes of my wife. You know, all those things, those normal fears that I have the same three or four fears all the time in yeah. some form, you know. And I'm thinking, will I ever surrender these entirely? I don't know. I don't know. It all comes back to the same ones. But I felt lighter once I started identifying. And and actually, I sent a text about it this morning to this person that I'm, that's helping me with it that's been around, you know, it's got a lot of time. I said, I got some work done on this last night and early this morning. I think the anger is just a symptom of a lack of overall surrender, fear of failure, fear of being wrong, fear of financial. My level of surrender that I thought was at 60% is really maybe 30 or less. <laughs> <laughs> you know? It uh, does... It does seem like, you know, if you can, if you're able to, you know, to pay attention, which is the whole meditation thing, you know, like on a, you translate that to real life. It does seem like, you know, the more you pay attention, it's sometimes stuff just keeps coming to the surface. You know what I mean? Like all of the little things that are things that we think we're worried about, you know, Turns out that was, you know, just like a, like a, a stand in for a deeper fear that we didn't know we were worried about. And then you address that deeper fear that you didn't know you were worried about. And sometimes, you know, there's stuff buried under that too. You know what I mean? It's peeling there's, that onion, isn't it? Yeah. It keep, just keeps going. I reckon. I don't know. That's yielding, learning to yield gently to this. It's really all about yielding. You know, the, the, the action in this is yielding. It's not, you know, anything else in this whole, I think in this whole, if you um, tell me if you see something different, but in this whole 52nd chapter, our, our work, so to speak, it works if you work it. Well, our work in this is yielding, knowing how to yield, Not being led by our senses, yielding, keep our mind from judging, yielding, keep your mouth closed and embrace the simple life, yield, just shut up and pay the man. (laughs) That's what, this is the second to last line there, knowing how to yield is strength. Yeah, Bob Mumford, a Bible teacher that I used to listen to a lot that helped lead me in this direction. One of his sayings was just shut up and pay the man. You know what <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, yeah. Yeah. Another thing he used to say, which was interesting was taking a lap around the mountain. That's how he interpreted the whole Moses and the children of Israel deal. 
was, you know, they had a chance to go in the promised land before the wilderness. I don't know if you remember the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah. And they had a chance to go in, but they were full of fear. So they had to go around the promised land for 40 years for that generation to die out. And there were some priests and oh, I, I forget the guy that uh, Joshua and someone else that survived. And then they got to go back in the promised land again because they weren't, you know, I, I think they, they said in the beginning we could take it. And everybody else said, no, 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 we can't. Was it Caleb? I don't remember. It's been years yes. since I've looked at that. But uh, Bob says it's talking about taking a lap. And you take a lap around the mountain and their lap was 40 years. And they came back to the same place with the same situation. Yeah. And what are they going to yield this time? You know, now I think it's the same thing here. We take a lap, we suffer. And are we going to yield? Are we going to keep our mouth shut and guard our senses? And life is ever full. Right. Those are all you want. You kind of wonder because like those are all they were all dead. You know what I mean? Like, so it wasn't like, okay, like take a deep breath. And are we going to do it this time? It was just, you know, it was all new people. They didn't, they didn't have the same hangups as the old people. Yeah. They had to get rid of the unbelief. You know, they had to get rid of the, uh, sounds like from the story, the gist of the story for me was they had to remove the judgment and the way to remove the judgment was they had to remove the people because the people weren't able. And that whole time for the 40 years, God provided for them on a daily basis with manna is the story. And it's interesting how they were learning to stay in the moment with that. And if they saved the manna for the next day, it would ruin, you know, other than the days they were supposed to save it. So it was kind of interesting how all that worked. But it was a daily provision they were taken care of, but they had to eventually die out to where they could come back again. And say, okay, are you gonna, are you gonna trust this time, or are you gonna judge and not trust? You know, same kind of thing. Learning how to yield. Huh. Anything else in that? I don't have my star marked up, but we didn't look at. Does Wayne Dyer have anything to say on that? Good. I don't know. You only got it if you want. Let's see. We got five minutes, maybe 10 minutes. If you have it, which one can you look at? Seeing keeping flexible is called strength. Your existence is, is a return trip to a place where all the planets creation emerge. He wants you to realize that you have the ability to enjoy this mysterious beginning before your physical ending. This is from Wayne Dyer's Change Your Thoughts, 52nd chapter. I got Kingdom of God wrote beside that. You know, the Kingdom of God's not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's that peace and joy that comes from yielding to your vital. It's vital that you spend a few moments each day getting to know your eternal mother which you can do by simply acknowledging her presence and silently communicating with her. Your eternal mother's one and only voice is silence. Mm-hmm. Back to like you, you picked up on that in the other translations, the meditation part, right? Yeah. So here's the, here's Mitchell's uh, commentary on, on 52, uh, which we 
kind of interesting because I was just thinking like we, you know, we focus more on it towards the end of the verse than the beginning. Yeah. But uh, so his, this is the whole commentary it is his uh, is uh, on the phrase trace back the manifestations. Uh, he hit his his commentary is where do you come from? Huh. But uh, that's it. Where do you come from? But uh, I, I think it kind of gets at the like, uh, you know, to, well, towards that second little part up there to find the origin, trace back the manifestations. Yeah. When you recognize the children and find the mother, you will be free of sorrow. But um, uh, like the other, um, all of the other translates translations mention that like mother the mother and children, you know, and so it, it gets, uh, it talks, uh, like it, it keeps saying thing, you know, it references like knowing the children. So like you can know the mother through the children, you know what I mean? Um, it's just an interesting thought. Like, if you wanna, What's well, the application of that? I would, I don't, I mean, who, who really knows, but I I mean, if you want to like think about in terms of recovery or whatever, I mean, you've got to start where you're at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people, uh, people want to, it's good. It's good if you can deal with the root of everything. You know what I mean? If you can find, you know, the, the cause, you know, the ultimate cause and the ultimate effect and, uh, uh, you know, if you can find, like we were talking about earlier, you know, peeling back the onion, if you can get to the middle of, you know, if you can just jump into the middle of the onion, that's good for you. You know what I mean? But I think most of the times you have, you have to, uh, you have to actually peel the onion, you know, you have to, you have to do the layers one at a time. That's the only way they come off. They don't, uh, you, you know, you go th- the the children, Children have parents and parents have parents. And if you go back far enough, you get to the beginning, you know, or whether that's Adam and Eve or a monkey or an explosion. I don't know. That's beyond my pay grade. But or, or seeing that your anger is from a fear of the future. Yeah. Or anxiety about the past or, or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're stuck on. But, you know, uh, is that just, not the same thing? Seeing the manifestations is that not yeah. part of the same deal? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. And that and that's uh, that's that's how meditation works. You know what I mean? You're dealing with the thought that you have. That's the the only thought that you can address is the one you're having. Yeah. You can't address the one you haven't had yet. Yeah. Huh. How about so? In the, Go ahead. I'm sorry. It feels it feels like, in a sense, it's leading you back to this like uh, present, you know, present moment kind of thing, you know. And back to doing less. Listen to this. This is from the Star Translation, which is where Wayne Dyer got a lot of his stuff. Stay with the mother, shut the mouth, close the gates, and you are never in trouble. Very little effort involved there in doing, working harder, doing better, right? 
stay with the mother, shut the mouth, close the gates, abandon the mother, open the mouth, be busy with others, and you're beyond all hope of rescue. So the exertion, the over effort puts you in danger. Huh. Yeah. Knowing how to yield, right? Yeah. Hmm. Seeing your own smallness is called insight. Honoring your own tenderness is called strength. The sun in all its glory reveals but a passing world. Only the inner light illuminates eternity. Only that light can guide us back home. Have faith. Follow your own shining. Follow your own shining. Be aware of your own awareness. On the darkest night, you will not stumble. On the brightest days, you will not blink. This is called the practice of eternal light. I'm on the right chapter, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, is that the same chapter? Yeah. 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 Seeing your own smallness is called insight. Yielding gently to force. Man, that is having that goes back to the surrender, doesn't it? The openness, the emptiness, the idea that we are one that there is no offense. There's nothing to forgive. Mm-hmm. I hurt you. I hurt me. Hurting people hurt other people. That whole thing, you know, in reality, there's no offense. There's nothing to forgive. Neither is there anything to prove. There's nothing to, there's nothing to lose. There's nothing to gain. Man, that's good. How do we do that? Back to that doing again, right? How about how do we surrender that? Maybe a better way to say it. How do we yield to that? Maybe approaching the situation rather than thinking, I have it figured out. I have to protect. I have to defend. I have to resist. Maybe we approach it with openness and kindness. And how can I love? How can I be instead of how can I prove? How can I help you instead of how can I defend? Yeah. Maybe approaching from that view instead of the view of, Force, push, prove, defend. So force, push, prove, defend come from love, help, openness, kindness. Huh. That's strong. How many times have I approached the situation and just been busy doing things because I had no idea the right thing to do instead of just waiting until I could see or being open to the situation instead of just slapping it around? Yeah. Well, you see your kids approach things like that, you know, fussing about things that don't matter, arguing (laughs) for no reason. Right. Oh, man. Sure. I remember my kids doing that. I remember me doing that. I still can do it. I mean, my wife says, is this really that important? I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. (laughs) You're right. Yeah. Yeah. man. I remember when my son was little. He asked me, he said, uh, he was like four or five, maybe. And he did something wrong. And I, I told him if he did that again, I was going to have to spank him. I, I spanked him when he was little. Little spanks, not nothing big. And he, I said, Max, you did that. Now I've got to spank you. He said, I know, I know. He put his hand, his head in his hands, you know, little bitty, you know, daddy. I said, what? He said, 
why do I keep doing what I shouldn't do? <laughs> and I laughed. I said, I don't know, son, but when you figure that out, let me know. Because <laughs> I'm right there with you, you know? Yeah. That whole proving things that don't need proving, the, you know, doing, you know, fighting because I can fight, you know? It really is freedom from me, not freedom to be me. It's freedom from having to be me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You see anything else in that? I don't know. I'm sure there's something. Oh, man, there's there's a million things. 10,000 things. That's all. Everything. Hey, I, I have a, on our Thursday meeting. Are you going to be able to make the uh, the Thursday dial meeting? Uh, I'm going to try to. Okay. Uh, I got a suggestion. What do you think about this? I know we're going to be studying. I'm going to call him Chauncey instead of Chauncey. Uh, we're studying Chauncey and going through that Merton book. It looks like a lot of things there for the uh, to discuss, getting ready to discuss his poems, his writings. What if we took like that first writing of the useless tree and we asked everyone just to print off a copy of it at home and meditate on it and read it every day. And then we read it the next week and study the actual after looking at it for a week, like, and then next week, whatever the next one is, do the same thing and ask everyone to read it every day and make any notes of what they see in it, kind of meditate on it for a week and see what, if anything pops out. I just thought that might be a good approach because this isn't like we have 10 translations and can, you know, everyone has different, you know, we don't have as much material on this. It might be a good opportunity to start listening from within for some insight. I don't know. What do you think of that approach? Yeah, it could be. I've read through, I've read through his book. I think that, I think of, well, from what I've looked at, like the, I, I don't know, I, I can't say it, but the Chong Su writings, uh, the Merton's version is, well, the, they don't really call it a, it's not a true translation. You know what I mean? Like he, he's not coming from the, directly from the, you know, the, original language he's compiling several english translations but i do think his is probably one of the most accessible uh versions of it that there is you know as far as ease of you know ease of reading accessibility that sort of thing but so even even his like some like some of the stories i was like man that is good stuff <laughs> you know what i mean like it, it kind of hits you and some of them, I'm like, you just flip on over to the next page. You're like, what is happening? You know, like, yeah, well, that's like with the useless tree, the one we're talking about tomorrow. And the more I read all of the, the first chapter, there was a lot of things to talk about in that first chapter. I don't know if we'll even be through that first chapter before tomorrow. I think we've got plenty to talk about in just the chapter before we get to the story, the first story. And then that first story, I'm thinking, you know, maybe if we took a week on just that story and just meditated on it and left some room 
maybe we could see more in it than what what I'm really seeing at the moment. I'm seeing a few things, but if I took it and meditated on it for a week, maybe we would start, if we all did that, maybe we would start seeing more out of that one story. I don't know. I just wanted to try it with this first story and see if that worked. Um, because there's a lot there in that story about, a, you know, the tree being so crooked and how that, the example of that in, our life that the real use may be something totally different than what we've placed value on, like the value of gold being really money, the value of the tree really being how it can be cut down and used, you know, that kind of a thing. What other value is it there that we're not seeing that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get that from the way I researched these other chapters in the Tao Te Ching, let's say, I got that from just sitting and meditating on it, you know, like a different approach. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I thought I would just throw that out to the group and see if they wanted to try that with this a little different approach than just showing up and reading it and studying it a little bit, you know, and things popping out, maybe a meditative approach to these instead. I don't know. Let's see if it works. I, I just kind of thought that, my inner light was leading me in that direction. Well, sure. Yeah. I want to talk the 52nd chapter on it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Some, I mean, there's certainly a lot that you can gain from, you know, from studying it, but you know, sometimes, so, so, you know, sometimes, you know, some of the more like, you know, some of the stuff that really hits you is just like, you know, without trying to fill your head with a lot of background information, you know, like just taking it at almost at face value, you know, I'm not saying one approach is better than another. I'm just saying. I think it's better really when we do move and it takes me several days of emptying about something rather than the first look. A lot of times I'm not open to those things, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I would yeah. like to see if it doesn't work. Maybe it works with the with the chunks. Okay, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe that's a better approach to these things than than how you know we've approached in the. Who knows? We can see. You know, see if it works. Yeah, I'm excited about our recording tomorrow. Anything else on this, or anything else we need to talk about? I don't think so. You still uh, working a couple of days a week? Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Second verse, same as the first? Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. When's the I don't meeting? know. Um, Mid-July. Okay, so you got another six weeks or so. Did she go full term with the other gir- with the girls? Yeah, plus some. Plus some, okay. Yeah, my mother carried me an extra month. They said I looked like a – I was the ugliest <laughs> ever – was born. <laughs> Grandpa was afraid to touch me. I was so ugly <laughs> and frail. I was feeling like a like a snake. I mean, it just was awful. I was ugly. You don't want a ten months. Good, good thing you grew out of that, huh? Yeah, for real. <laughs> now I'm not. Uh, I'm not designed for TV. I'm more the podcast version. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's tough. Well, that's good. That's good. So she's healthy. Everything going well. Y'all didn't. Y'all didn't find out the sex, did you? 
Are no. Closing that? No, we really don't know. We really don't know. You well, did that with the other two, right? Didn't you? Well, we did that with the first one. And we found out with the second one. But in, in my experience doing it with the first one, man, it is a uh, – you get people like riled up about that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like it's hard for people to accept, like, like why, why would you not know something that you could know? You know, that's interesting. I don't know. So how yeah. about uh, a lot of expectations with that? You know? A lot of people put their own expectations on the gender of their children. Yeah. I found out, we found out on both of uh, with my first wife, we found out on both of ours and I have no children with my second wife. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know that there's a right or wrong way to do it, but you know, it was just uh, for for us, it was mostly about you know trying not. I say mostly, some part of it maybe was just uh, trying to you know keep our own expectations uh, of what you know, who this person should be or could be in check, you know, like they'll, they'll be whoever they are when they're, you know, when they're ready for it, they don't, you know, they don't need me, you know, explaining to them who they are, who they're supposed to be before they're even born. They also don't need, they also don't need our, their, uh, they also don't need all of their grandparents uh, filling their, non-existent room with stuff that they don't need and have room for. You know, I guess that helps when you don't know the gender because then you kind of wait to buy things, don't you? You don't buy as much stuff beforehand. Yeah. I mean, we've got, we've, we've got plenty of stuff, you know what I mean? And, you know, God bless them. People want to help and I'm all for it, but you know, people people say they want to help but it's really if you're if you're a grandmother there is nothing more satisfying than like buying baby clothes you know what i mean you got and, you, you got all the leftovers from uh the girls too yeah and the little yeah. stuff is pretty much gender neutral you know yeah for and i don't i'm not like i i really am not I don't know. I don't feel like I have a strong stance on it. Like there, like there are people that are like, you know, like I'm determined to raise this baby genderless and I'm don't necessarily subscribe to, to that camp. But at the same time, you know, I, I do kind of feel some like, uh, you know, there's, there, there's a lot of expectations that people put on kids, you know, with based on nothing other than just their gender, you know what I mean? Or sex. I don't know what the appropriate term everybody's using nowadays, but, um, I don't know if how you, uh, treat the kids have much to do with it. Really. My kids were very gender specific on their own. I didn't have to, guide them in any direction i mean there was no no guiding they were they had their own you know inward push for those things i remember my son when he was like four or five sitting in front of the tv 
playing with his toys. And I remember a Victoria's Secrets commercial coming on, him stopping what he was doing and staring at the, I mean, stopping everything, staring at the TV for the whole commercial. And then as soon as the commercial was off, he went back to playing with whatever he was playing with. And other commercials come on and he didn't pay attention to them that way. But man, that commercial with lingerie come on and he just stopped and just stared at the TV. Yeah, how old was he? Four. Yeah, he's probably hungry. You know, I mean, nothing. I mean, we hadn't guided him in that direction at all. You know, it's just I was me and my wife. We'd look at each other and laugh, you know, because we knew what was coming because he did that every time, you know, not knowing why, not asking questions, just knowing that that's what he was interested in, you know, and, uh, you know, I just was uh, okay. You know, and it's interesting. My, my daughter was very athletic and she was much tougher than my son as far as like toughness goes. Yeah. I mean, like they wanted to check their, I was diabetic and they wanted to check their blood, you know, and my daughter, she said, I want to you prick my finger. And my son said, I don't want to do that. You know, but yeah. you know, he, he did it, but he, Oh, it hurt, you know? But my daughter, I could prick her finger and she just look at it, you know, not flinch at all. Yeah. And she was uh, very tough, much tougher than he was. Something that you would think of as a masculine kind of trait, you know. Yeah. She was much tougher. But uh, it's kind of interesting how they evolved on their own without any, you know, help from me. You know, they guide them. Yeah. I mean, I think that. It's just, I, I mean, I, I really, I mean, there's, I, I don't know that there's really a right way or wrong way to do it or to be or whatever, but it is like, I've, you know, I've uh, heard people talk about and read stories of like, um, you know, like, like young, like babies, you know, in the, in the hospital, uh, you know, they're, when they're just born, you know what I mean? And uh, like, they're, and so they'll, you know, as soon as they're bo- like almost instantly, like the girls are wrapped in pink and the boys are wrapped in blue, except for now they have that little toboggan thing that's red and that's pink and blue. Um, but, but what happens is, you know, like th- there was, so I was listening to this lady, she was telling a story about her, you know, her daughter was born and she wouldn't tell she wouldn't tell anybody the, you know, the sex and, um, which, you know, like I'm, I'm not that like extreme about it, you know, but, but you can kind of see where she was coming from because like her daughter got, her daughter got sick, you know, when she was like, she's, I don't know, she had some kind of thing, you know, and they're saying that like, like you could notice, you, you would know like differences between like, like when they were in NICU, they, they would notice differences between like the way people would talk to girls than the way they would talk to boys. You know what I mean? Like they would talk, you know, like they would talk to girls like, Oh, you're so sweet and innocent and delicate. And you, you know what I mean? And like, they would talk to boys like, like, you've got this, you can, you know, you can do it, you're going to make it, you're, you know what I mean? And it was like this positive, like, you know. Like the girl and, had to be taken care of and the boy was tougher. 
kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think that you're, you know, if you, if you don't like, I'm not, I think that whole like neutral thing is just silliness. You know I what I mean? Have a lot, I think we have a lot less influence than what we think we do. I think it's genetically within us to be what we're going to be now. Now, granted, if there was abuse and that kind of thing, that may be different, but, but, you know, I, I just don't, I don't think my dressing my kids a particular way or my talking to them when they were really little may have not had that much really to do with it. I don't looking at them now at 21 and 24. Yeah. I don't think that maybe it had more to do with it than I think, but I let them just come along as they came along, you know, and they're who they are. I, I just don't see where it had that much to do with it. Could have been, I don't know. You know? Well, I mean, who really knows, honestly, yeah. but, but I mean, I, I think, I don't think pink clothes or blue clothes is going to make a difference when they're a year old, you know? No, but, but I mean, it does, uh, it does kind of get into like young kids. They have a strong desire to like lay, and this is not different from adults necessarily. We just do it about different stuff, but like, there's a strong desire to label things and put things in the correct category. This is this and that is that, and everything needs to be very clearly defined. You know what I mean? And, and so, uh, and, and so they, they learn things like, okay, well, girls have long hair. And I'm like, my daughters have told me that, you know what I mean? Girls have long hair. I'm like, I have long hair. Am I? Am, and they're like, well, you know what I mean? And they're, they're like, I don't know. I, I, but I think it could mean a big difference showing your kids love. We showed our kids a lot of love when they were little, a lot of acceptance, a lot of love, a lot of, you know, um, when they were really little, there was a lot of that, but I was a disciplinarian too. But, uh, you know, there were, there were, I remember the first house we moved out of, we used the corner for discipline a lot. And there was like brown marks on the corner where their nose went. And you could see as they got older that it got lighter and lighter because they had to stand in the corner less. You know, <laughs> it was one age where they were in the corner a lot. It was like a dark corner, you know, where their nose was in the corner all the time. And I used to corner a lot, but uh, maybe I was a little too disciplinary with my kids. Looking back, I could have. If I had another set, which my, me and my second wife wanted, but it just wasn't possible, um, I would have been a lot more uh, easygoing, I think, with the kids and what I was. I thought everything had to be a lesson with my first set. But the second set, I think I would have a lot less lessons than uh, than I had with the first set. I'd be yeah. a lot more lax. I'd been yeah, I don't know. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I certainly don't have it figured out but i i guess my, my my sort of guiding thought is to you know like you know if there's any such thing as you know whatever is the thing that's the most the most of them that they're able to be you know i i, mm-hmm. I would prefer they th- be them than just little me's as much as yeah. possible yeah. you know what i mean i, I don't think it's my job uh-huh. anymore you know at first i thought my job was to to 
to train my kids, but I think really my job is to love them, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, I guess that's really the best you can do, you know? I mean, like I keep telling, I keep telling my wife, you know, she's like, she's like, they're going to end up in therapy. And I'm like, everybody should end up in therapy, you know, like. They might end up drunks too. I mean, who knows, you know? Or like we, the best, uh, you know, the best you can do is accept that they're going to be in therapy and, you know, save them some money to pay for it, I guess. Uh, have you, have you introduced your kids to meditation at all? Uh, I'm meditating. Do they know if you're like, do they come in and find you meditating or do you, I know they're little, but I'm, I would think that if my, if I had another set, I would, I would want to introduce them to meditation young, just like I introduced them to prayer and church and other stuff when they were kids. I have tried, I have tried some, some things. You really have to, uh, uh, and, and I, I, I am try, I've tried a few different approaches and, but, but I also try not to be like, you know, I don't want it to be like the, you know, you want them to want to do it. Have you, you know? tried to meditate before they go to sleep kind of thing? Like you, like we used to do prayer before sleep. Y'all may do that. I don't know what y'all do, what practices. I'm just curious. Not that I think. Yeah. Well, we do actually use like when they uh, like heads use headspace a lot. Yeah. Um, they have some like, uh, I forget what they call it, like sleep casts or something, but it's, um, they do uh, it, it. We we call it stories. You know, he's got he's got like a. It's essentially like a. He tells a story, or they tell a story. Whoever's doing the narration, uh, but it's like it's very um, not. Uh, it's supposed to be the kind of story that's like just boring enough to make you go to sleep. <laughs> you know what I mean? like excited enough that you're not anxious, but boring enough that it doesn't keep you awake, you know? Uh, but so he does these stories and before the story starts, he, he does that, what they call wind down, uh, which is a lot, a lot of like basic, you know, meditation techniques. And does stuff. he do that for children's? It's like a children's thing. It's not specifically. Yeah. He does have some children's uh, exercises. Okay. But they're not, um, but they're not, uh, th- these work well because they're sleep oriented. Uh, whereas the specifically children ones are not, uh, as sleep oriented. And so, uh, but, but yeah, I mean, they do like, they do like, you can, um, you know, like they'll lay down and you'll hear them, you know, like, doing like deep breaths and stuff oh really like that. that's cool <laughs> and they're how old uh five and almost seven. Oh yeah 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 that's good that's good i don't know if i if i had little ones again i would i'd want to introduce them to some of that i don't, I don't know i uh huh that's interesting I'm, i'd be curious to know how that continues if that's something that uh that seems to help you know it gotta help calm them down and get them ready for sleep just like a stories and all the other things that you, I'm sure you do. Yes. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's been, it's been 
pretty effective. I mean, no, I, I always get nervous to say like, this is the thing that works. You know what I mean? Because I, I don't want to like jinx myself because it, it seems like almost as soon as you like pin something down to this is how it works, then, you know, they automatically will be like, nope, that's not going to work. <laughs> but so far, like it's it's gotten pretty, you know, when they were younger, like they, you know, they had to have somebody with them to, to go to sleep, you know, and now I can kind of uh, tuck them in and usually I can, you know, get them tucked in and start the story and they'll, you know, go to sleep on their own. So They sleep in the same room, don't they? Yeah. 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 Huh. Well, good, man. Good. Anything else? I don't think so. We're kind of run over today, but that's good. Well, if that's it, my friend, I'll catch you next week. Uh, hopefully see you tomorrow. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.